Our scripture reading for this morning is from the uh, book of Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together here today. We honor you and bless your name, for you are great and mighty God, worthy of praise and honor and worship. And we are grateful to be able to gather together to show our love for you and to declare your word. We pray, Father, for your people around the world as we seek to live for you and, and faithfully proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would keep us strong in you, that you would help us to uh, be true to your word and to the, the calling that you have given to us, and that in us, the people around us, would see the truth of Jesus Christ. So we pray for the church, not only here, but around the world, and in places where there's lots of difficulty and where there are those who are facing trials for their faith, we pray your grace and strength for them. We pray, Father, for uh, the blessing of your spirit as we gather to hear your word and to let it speak to us. We pray for Daniel as he ministers that you would anoint him with your spirit and that his words will become your words to us through the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are uh, grateful this morning to have uh, Daniel Bouchak with us. He's uh, a recent graduate um, of Bethlehem College and Seminary. Um, his wife, Adelaide, is here as well, so we're thankful to both of you for being here. Um, so Daniel's uh, going to be preaching, and uh, if you didn't already get a chance to meet him and his wife, you should. They're a great couple, um, but we're very grateful for you to be here this morning, Daniel. Thank you. Why don't you come and give us God's word? Thank you for the introduction. Thank you, Alan, for reading. Appreciate that. It's really good to be here. Thank you for the warm welcome and uh, excited to open the word with you this morning um, with Pastor Mark's absence. Um, I tried to pick something, you know, your, your guest preaching that's uh, general enough uh, to be helpful. And so that's what I was going for. So my hope today is simply um, that you would be inspired and encouraged by the scriptures to press on in your Christian maturity. Um, as simple as that. If you look at the text, it'll be really helpful if you have your Bible open to this in Philippians 3, uh, 12 to 16. Um, Paul says, I press on. Uh, Paul says, he's straining forward. Paul says, again, I press on. And so my Hope and encouragement is that you would be um, inspired by this text 
to continue to be intentional in your Christian growth, to press on um, towards uh, Christian maturity, towards your resurrection, and we'll get into all of that uh, today. Um, So, by way of introduction, Christianity is a life of maturity. It's a life of progress. Um, God has designed us to grow, to grow into the resurrection from the dead. Um, And we see this all around us. A a child grows up into an adult, right? Um, We're meant to change like that in our Christian life. And so here are some texts that Paul uses to get this across. 1 Corinthians 3, um, we're to move on from milk to solid food. Um, We're to move on from infants to mature in Christ. In Hebrews 5, we're to move on from needing to be taught to teaching, discipling. In 2 Corinthians 3, we're to move on from one degree of glory to the next. In 1 John 3, John addresses children, young men, and fathers. And in that context, it seems to be stages of the Christian life. In summary, First Peter puts it this way, we're to grow up into salvation. We're to grow up into salvation. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping that this um, will encor- encourage us to this morning in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Now, before we get to today's text, verse 12, I'm going to go ahead and read the first half of the chapter. I'm not going to make a ton of comments on it. I'm just going to make a couple comments, and then we'll really focus in on on today's sermon. So if you look at um, Philippians 3, I'll just read a couple verses and then comment on it. So Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So Paul's saying, um, us Christians, we don't put our confidence in the flesh, we glory in Christ. And then he goes on, verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul's like, I have reason to be confident in to be confident in the flesh. I've accomplished a lot. And then he goes on in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, all these things he just listed, whatever gain I had, I count all those things as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. And so Paul's saying, I've accomplished a lot in the flesh, but all those things I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Jesus is better than all that I've accomplished in the flesh. Look at verse 9. He's going to get more into it. So in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness 
of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And so now he's talking about two righteousness, different kinds of righteousness. One comes through the flesh, and one comes through faith in Christ. And what Paul is saying here is, I would count all this as lost because Christ's righteousness by faith is so much better than anything I could attain by my own, um, on my own, in the flesh. And then here's what flows from it in verse 10. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And uh, so, yeah, Paul wants to become like Jesus, um, united with him by faith, his righteousness, and he also, he concludes in verse 10 and 11, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, his sufferings, and his death. So being unified in all those things. Uh, Very similar to Philippians 2, where it says, have this mind among you, um, just like Christ, who became obedient to death, de- uh, even to death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him, Paul, Paul wants to be united with Christ and follow in his example, just like Philippians 2. And that brings us to our text today. And I'm going to read it again, Philippians three twelve to 16. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider it that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so, here's the rest of the sermon, is basically five barriers to your Christian maturity. Five barriers to pressing on, as Paul describes it here. And that's where we're going to go. Now, in verse 12, it says this, I have not obtained this. And so my first question is, what is the this? I have not obtained this. Uh, What are you talking about, Paul? It's kind of a little confusing in the passage. Um, I press on to make it my own. What is the it? Or... I press on towards the goal for the prize. What is the prize? What is the goal? That's, that's my first question as I look at this text. And I think it has to go and flow from verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And so I think he's talking about his resurrection from the dead, his, um, his glorification, his being... Uh, glorified in the resurrection. I think that's what Paul's referring to based off of verse 11. And then he says, not that I've already obtained this, but I press on to make it my own. So I think that's what he's talking about. His resurrection, his glorification, his perfect maturity. And so here we go. Five barriers to that pressing on. Number one, your past successes. Your past successes. And my main point here is if you are satisfied with your past, if you're satisfied with with what you've accomplished, you'll stop reaching for something that's ahead of you because you're content 
you're satisfied, you're putting your trust in something that's already happened, something you've already accomplished. And Paul's mindset here, verse 12, I haven't already obtained it. I'm not already perfect. Brothers, I do not consider I have made it my own. That's Paul's mindset. Um, Paul's accomplished a lot. We just read some of them in the beginning of the chapter. Hebrew of the Hebrews, um, circumcised on the eighth day, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, you know those things. He's listing these things, and he's like, rubbish. My eyes are set on something greater. And so Paul is a man who has had many great achievements. He has the Damascus Road experience, which is amazing. He's planted churches. He's experienced miracles. And yet Paul is clear he has not obtained the prize yet. He has not obtained the power of the resurrection. The race isn't complete. There's more to be obtained. Uh, Christian maturity is progressive growth, meaning it's gradual and it's transformative and it takes place over, over time. For example, in our world, you know, just when you're starting to get used to elementary school, they throw you in middle school. And as soon as you start to master middle school, with all of its social challenges and academic challenges, they throw you in high school. And just when you think you've got it down in high school, they throw you in college. And at each stage of life, you have to learn new things. You have to overcome new temptations, new sins. You have to learn new skills that you didn't need to know before. You have to take on new responsibilities. And the Christian life is like this. You aren't meant to rest in your past successes, but are meant to build on them and continue to mature. And that's a good thing. That's how God designed it. So the main point here is if you're satisfied and content with past successes, you'll stop reaching for what's ahead. And so I was trying to think of some manifestations of this. Um, How can this one come across? It could come across in comparing yourself to others. Um, If you compare yourself to others, and you, you compare on a horizontal letter, level with those around you, you can start to have the mindset of, I like who I am. Like, when I look at this person, I'm, I'm like above them. And you start to put that confidence in, in what you've achieved. Very similar to the Pharisee and tax collector. That parable, where they go up to pray, and the Pharisee goes, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Um, but his main problem was that he wasn't comparing himself to God. And if he had compared himself to God, it would have been a whole different outcome in his mindset. And so that could be one manifestation. Another one, I've read a couple good theology books. I don't really need the church. I'm good. Or it can be kind of reveling in the past, like my old church was just so good. Um, I don't think I could ever be somewhere as good as that or... You should have seen me when I was in college. I was on fire for God. I don't think I can get beyond that. Um, It can manifest in not letting people speak into your life because um, you want to come across as having already obtained some level, and you don't don't want them to see that you have struggles, that you need to grow. Um, I think these are ways that we could rest in our past successes. So that's number one. Um, your past successes. If you're satisfied there, you won't grow. Number two, indifference. This is a different one. Indifference. Kind of like a, um, 
like a laziness or an idleness or just kind of like an eh attitude towards Christianity. Listen to Paul's language. I mean, we've already done this, but I press on to make it my own in verse 12. And at the end of verse 13, I strain forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal. And then jump back to verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection. So Paul is not indifferent to this growth, right? Paul is eager. Paul is straining. Paul is reaching. That's the language here. He's, he's trying to get a hold of this. He presses on to it. Um, and so uh, indifference, if you're indifferent, you won't have that mindset. You won't reach. It'll slow you down. So I think here we have uh, a healthy zeal, a healthy zeal from Paul. Um, and another phrase that I really like here is just intentionality. Uh, Christian growth is active. It's not passive. It's active. So be zealous to grow. Be intentional. Um, a Christian strives. He reaches that by any means possible, he'll be raised with Jesus. Um, I think this really gets at, okay, you're saved here, and you're going to be glorified here. What do you do in between? You're meant to grow. You're not meant to just, oh, I'm saved. Great. No, you're, that's great, yes. And you're meant to progress to, and grow into what you are. And we'll, be, we'll keep coming um, back to that. So the answer for what to do between your salvation and your resurrection is to be passionate about striving, to be passionate about your growth. And what does that look like? This text isn't really specific. Paul's not really saying, here's, here's how I'm pressing on in these verses. Um, but we know some of the ways God has given us to press on. Um, prayer. Press on in prayer. Press on by being in the scriptures regularly. Uh, evangelize. Uh, kill sin in your life. Or be mentored by somebody. Meditate on the word. Read a good theology book in your free time. Or in verse 17, if you look at verse 17, Paul gives one example. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So that's one way you could grow is by look at someone who's doing this and imitate them. Have your eyes on them. Um, watch what they do. Ask them questions. Hey, how do you grow? Uh, ask them to mentor you, walk with you, that kind of thing. So these are ways that you could be intentional instead of indifferent, right? Be intentional instead of indifferent. So that's number two. Indifferent, if you're indifferent, you're, you're gonna, it's going to hold you back from the growth that God has, that God desires for you. That's number two. Now, number three, after we've just talked about all this striving and, and pressing on, another barrier would be doing that in your own strength. Striving in your own strength. When I talk about striving, does that sound exhausting to you? Well, Paul's going to help us with that here. Look at verse 12. Not that I'm already perfect, or have already obtained this, or I'm perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Christ Jesus has made me his own. Press on because Jesus has already made you his own. You are Christ's through faith. You are his. You press on as someone owned by Jesus. You're not trying to do enough to get Christ. Christ has already bought you. Your striving is not a striving to relieve guilt. Jesus relieves your guilt on the cross. You're not striving to make yourself worthy to be in glory. Jesus has already done that on the cross. You're not striving to meet any man-made regulations, whether from the church or from your culture. Christ has already qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians. You are not striving to showcase your own strength, ability, wisdom, or spirituality. If you are striving in these ways, you're not striving in the way Paul's talking about. You're striving in the way Paul used to strive. Remember verse 3 to 6? As to righteousness under the law, blameless. As to Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Those kinds of things. Um, It's a striving according to the flesh. You're not striving that way because Christ has already made you his own and your faith is in him and you rest in him. This means that you are chosen by God. You're loved by God. You're forgiven by God. You're free. You're righteous. You're united with him before you make any progress in your Christian faith. All of that is already a reality for you before, before you even get to the elementary school. You're his. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 6. You've been bought with a price. So glorify him with your body. It's already happened, so glorify him. Or 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I work harder than any of them. But it was not I. It was Christ working in me. That's in Christ's strength there. Ephesians 2, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. You're created. He made you. He caused you to be born again, and here's why he did it. Four good works that you should walk in them. So you are Christ's. Now grow. You are the most equipped to strive for the resurrection. The rest you need for your striving is found in the gospel. Without the gospel, as we just sang, your striving would be losing, right? Would we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. But if the right man is on your side, Christ Jesus, it is he, then you have the growth that God designed for you. You're not meant to be a redeemed stone statue. God redeems you, you're redeemed. Rather, you're a redeemed tree. You grow and produce fruit. And the way that you grow and produce fruit is to abide in Christ. We just sang about that too. God wants you to strive, but to strive as someone he's made his own. Your glorification awaits you. It's there. It's not changing. It's incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's going to happen. Grow into it, reach for it, mature into it. That's the Christian framework. So number three, self-reliant pursuit. Rest in Christ, and that'll free you to be um, 
to strive in the right ways, to strive as a Christian. Number four, Jeff, two more. Your past failures and your past guilt. If you are wallowing in your past failures and your past guilt, it can prevent you from growing. Look at um, verse 13. Towards the end, Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on. Now, forgetting here could be a lot of things. Uh, anything that prevents you from growing. Anything in your past that prevents you from growing. Could be the successes, could be... But I want to focus here on your past failures and guilt. Past failures and your guilt. Paul is inviting you as a Christian to move on. To move on. The, your Christian progress depends on the direction you're heading. The steps you are taking. And here, I think... Paul gives us a category for moving on from your past sins and your past guilt. Now, this doesn't mean you don't deal with your sin. You don't deal with your guilt. Um, You've got to put the whole Bible together. I think if you've sinned, deal with it. Confess it, right? And once you've done that, move on. Once you've done that, move on. The gospel invites you to move on. It invites you from staying in your past, from wallowing in your past, and invites you to move on. The gospel's the only thing that frees you to do that. Forget, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. And you can start pressing on right now in Christ. He is faithful and just to, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, And so that moving on can start for you right now, which is a beautiful thing in the gospel. What do you need to forget? What in your life do you need to forget? What in your past is hindering you from moving on? Your resurrection is the reality. That's what awaits you in Christ. What do you need to forget? to move on. The gospel invites you into that. And that's awesome. So that's number four. Moving on from your past failures, your past guilt. Um, Those things will weigh you down. Number five, finally, in conclusion, one thing that will hinder your growth is eyes set on earthly things. Eyes set on earthly things. I'm going to finish the rest of the chapter here, verse 17 on. Verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So there's these people that their minds are set on earthly things. Their end is destruction. And here Paul is encouraging us, number one, your citizenship is in heaven. It's not on earth. And number two, Jesus is coming back and we're waiting for him and he will 
transform us. So therefore, um, our minds should be set on heavenly things. If, if, you're, if your destiny is heaven, if your inheritance is heaven, if your citizenship is heaven, and your mind is locked in here, you're not going to reach, press on, strain, and grow into this. You're just going to be locked in here, right? You won't reach for the resurrection with a mindset on earth. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth, for you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. So having minds set on heavenly things. And again, that text in Colossians 3, it's active. It's set your minds there. Be intentional. Set your minds there. And when your minds are there, you'll grow up into it. And so those are, from this text, from Philippians 3, I think, five barriers to your Christian growth. Um, Your past successes, indifference, self-reliant pursuit, striving in your own strength, your past failures and your past guilt, and your eyes and your mind set on earth and in heaven. So that's a lot. I mean, those are areas we all need to work on. So um, I hope that encourages you as a congregation um, or inspires you. Yes, I want to keep going. And that's how we should feel. And I think that's what a text like this does to us. And so what do you want to be? And, and just an application question. What are your eyes set on? What are you stretching out to take hold of? Where are you at? Is it your career? Is that, is that, is that your end goal? Um, could be a whole lot of, of things. Um, but these are good things to meditate on and uh, as, you, as you work to grow, um, resting in Christ to your inheritance in heaven. So reaching for the resurrection. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It doesn't, it, it calls us to rise from being passive or indifferent or proud or um, and it calls us to, to take a step in a direction. It calls us to move towards um, what you've purchased for us in heaven. And we praise you for that. Thank you so much for your word that, that is instructing us in this way. Now I ask, Father, that you would empower us, that you would empower this church to grow, that you would give the strength that we need um, to mature, <laughs> to move on, to take on new responsibilities, to, ki- to kill old sins, um, to confess boldly where we failed and be forgiven. Would you give us the strength, Father? Help us to strive in the strength you provide so that we would not trust in ourselves but in you. So help us with this, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.